I'm Jen Russell, I'm Head of Patient Safety in the National Patient Safety Team in NHS England. Hi there, my name is Douglas and I've been an active partner with local health and care organisations for a relatively short while. So um, I started working um, in patient safety alongside Joan at NHS England um, following the illness and death of my parents. Uh, my name is uh, Charlotte Werner Rossing. Uh, I'm from Denmark. I'm the Director of Research and Development uh, at Pharmacon, which is the Danish College of Pharmacy Practice. My responsibility is uh, performing research and development in community pharmacy practice, uh, community pharmacy practice services, and uh, to do postgraduate training uh, of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians that are the staff in the Danish community pharmacies. I'm Radha Sundram. I'm a consultant in intensive care at the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Paisley, which is in Scotland. And my role is as I'm a job in NHS consultant, but I've been involved with quality improvement for a long time. And I'm here to actually describe our work with end-of-life care and critical care, where we involved um, a multidisciplinary team and bereaved relatives to actually improve the experience, not just for our patients, but for ourselves. So let's start off with some basics. Um, patient involvement. Uh, involvement in what? What does this mean? Who would like to start? I'm happy to start from a patient safety perspective. So, I mean, we believe fundamentally that patients should be involved, you know, in their personal care wherever appropriate and as they want to be involved. So it's something that goes way back to when we had Don Berwick in 2012, when we did a review of patient safety as a result of a major investigation. I mean, it became fundamental that, and it was recognised that patients should be involved in all aspects of their care and in safety throughout in the whole of their care, you know, during their stay in all aspects of patient safety, working through that it's really fundamental that they are appropriately involved. We think of that in two aspects. So we would think of patient involvement in uh, how can they be involved in their own safety? And that can be proactively from thinking about how they can be involved in the things like asking questions, making sure they understand the care that they're going to have, being proactively involved in some of the care, for example, undertaking checks, making sure that appropriate checks are undertaken, things like false prevention, you know, they have a role in making sure that they're wearing, you know, appropriate shoes when they're in a hospital for organisation. We go with through all different levels of being involved in their own safety, from understanding uh, medicines reconciliation, medicines management, the medicines that they're taking. And then we go through as well as proactively to more reactively as well. So having the opportunity to ask questions if they have concerns, being involved in if they want to report a concern, being able to report incidents or concerns in safety, and then thinking about how they can be involved if there is an actual incident in the investigation of those safety incidents as well. So they really understand, you know, they get their questions answered and they understand the, the processes that are going on. Douglas is one of our patient safety partners. We have introduced the concept that all NHS organisations should 
identify patient safety partners to work closely with them on systems related safety issues. So just as a sort of broad definition, we then think of a safe patient safety partner as it can be a patient carer, it can be a family member or other lay people. And it can include the NHS staff as well if they're working in a lay capacity in other NHS organisations. And they're recruited to very much work in partnership with staff to influence and improve the governance and leadership of safety within that organisation. It's really important when we're talking about involvement that we understand that um, a, a patient or a, a service user perspective um, we become involved sometimes in a reaction to the care that we're given. Um, but I think that what we're talking about is becoming involved. So as Joan was saying, being proactive um, uh, in involvement. And they're two quite different things. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, my, neither of my parents come from this country, from the from the United Kingdom. Um, and they came here just after the formation of the NHS. And they were very grateful for uh, a welfare system system. Um, so they were uh, incredibly compliant, I would say, with, with the NHS. You know, my mother would never, ever question a doctor, and neither would my father. You know, the doctors the doctors and nurses knew what, how to take care of them. Uh, and so they didn't really become involved in their care because what they were doing was they were receiving care. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that we learned together, my parents and I learned together, was that we could become involved in their care and that by becoming involved, it actually made their care a lot safer. When, when you work in critical care, you are aware of um, how patient safety is threatened. And every single encounter, because of various system issues, individual variations, and although there are lots of things that are in place to try and mitigate those risks, we are aware of it, I guess, um, not as a policy, but as a frontline worker, really. And... And the privilege that we have with patients actually being involved in their care is so valuable. In critical care, it sometimes is difficult because our patients perhaps are not in a position to engage with us and let us know the nuances of their own care. But more, with more and more awareness with the, the Beric report and with so much awareness and with you know organizations like Jones, what we have recognized is that at every stage, we should make every effort to involve the patient and share decision making with with patients, with their surrogate decision makers is becoming a very, very big part of what we do. And having been a consultant now for over 15 years, I can see this sort of change in the way we work with our patients. And you're right, Douglas, they don't you don't bring them in the middle, but actually start the journey with them. And they have so much to offer and their autonomy over and actually trying to maintain their autonomy over their own care is such an important bit of, of good care, really. Maybe it's because of my, my background, because I'm from research, because what we're talking about right now is the involvement in the practice. But for me, there's a step before that. Uh, that's the whole framing of the healthcare system uh, and the whole framing of uh, how to interact with patients, the whole what do we offer patients. Right now, we're talking about uh, patients that can engage by themselves, be empowered, or maybe be fortunate enough to have a, a relative like you, Douglas. But there's also, in Denmark at least, there are, uh, there are municipalities that take care of the medicines, support the medicines. All of these uh, more uh, formal caregivers 
uh, but all of it should be be part of it. And I think the 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 involvement of those caregivers and the patients themselves uh, in the development of the different uh, angles in the healthcare system is extremely important. Sometimes one of the things that we do get asked when we're talking about encouraging patients to be involved in their own safety, it's the balances. It's almost like, are we asking patients to take responsibility? And we get asked about where the responsibility lies. So it's just really important, I think, to clarify that we do say we encourage patients to be involved, but equally we recognise that if for any reason a patient doesn't want to be involved, and some patients will come from the belief that they want to come in and they're very happy to be cared for they don't you know feel they need to ask questions so it's making sure you get the balance so that we're not feeling and we would never want a patient to feel that they are having to take responsibility for their safety or for their care but it's giving them the opportunity to be involved as they wish. It's complex isn't it you know we're moving from this past where we did healthcare to people to this kind of present future where we are doing all this stuff that everyone agrees on. It's all good, you know, theoretical. Let's involve people. Let's give people the power. Let's, you know, allow people to self-manage. Let's work with patient safety partners. It all makes a lot of sense. I suppose my reflection is that the system that we're working within was built on the old model and is evolving, hopefully, <laughs> to the new model. Where are we at in that evolution, do you think? Are we still in the foothills here? Or have we really made a lot of progress since the Berwick report a decade ago? Yeah, my view is I think we are still in the early stages and we absolutely recognise that true patient involvement is going to take time and it will take absolute, absolutely or take time to embed. We recognise as well that it's a cultural shift that is needed. And again, this was something that Don Bowie alluded to as well. And to be able to do effective patient involvement in our perspective, you know, involving patients and their own safety at, you know, a care level, as well as the introduction of patient safety partners, it is very much about the culture, you know, being there, it's about having that open scene, it's having the transparency as well as the openness within the organisation to feel confident in truly, you know, working in partnership with patients at all levels it will take time to truly embed that culture in pharmacy in denmark but also internationally we um, we did we see, look at it as services and what i can see is that i see more and more papers coming out where you actually include the patients uh, or the relatives or the caregivers in uh, setting the agenda of what is needed uh, and that's what i talked about beforehand so what is it what do they expect from in my case, pharmacy, but uh, from a nursing home or from wherever you meet them. Uh, and then based on that, co-design the services that are delivered afterwards. I can see the shift. It, uh, there, is, um, there is a great, uh, it, it, it's, it can be tough <laughs> to do both for, for the ones that develop it, but also for the people that suddenly have to take responsibility for it. Uh, and then uh, there is this bias in it that some people, like you said, actually don't want to and can be a little bit scared because a lot of responsibility is suddenly placed upon them. So it's it's a balance, but I think we have to walk that way uh, to figure out uh, which side of the thin line we should uh, we should be at.
Yeah, I do agree with Joan and Charlotte. I think we are still in the foothills, but I think the land is fertile um, with a sort of changing landscape. If you look at, um, you know, our sort of nurses and the doctors in training, they've all been actually raised um, in a very immersive culture of challenging the status quo. So we are becoming more receptive to questions being asked, not just by our patients and their families, but by um, sort of young, younger members of our team who are actually not afraid to speak up and ask. I think the environment is changing. And, you know, we now have mortality and morbidity meetings where we invite family members, where previously we wouldn't have. So I think we are moving in the right direction. There are lots of challenges, but I think it's quite exciting that actually the environment itself is adapting to a lot of that change. Joan talked a little bit about uh, culture change, and I think culture is a really important thing to bring on board here because um, changing cultures is a gradual process. You can't do it overnight, uh, and people need to understand the reasons why we want to change the culture or why the culture needs to be changed rather than you know it being done too. Um, and coming from an industry where, uh, so when I was working, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, and coming from an industry where everyone talks about the features uh, of things, you know, the features of, of um, and we could talk about the features of, of, of getting um, patients as partners, we need to really um, mainline on the benefits. Um, it isn't just the features of it, it's the benefits. How will it benefit us if we do take an active part in this? And there are so many benefits that, that you know, for all different ages and all different types of people um, that we can name, but it does take time to actually uh, line those up, get people to understand them, and also to get people on board and to keep them on board uh, with that. And so it's really, it, it is a, it is a slow process. And that's the reason why working with NHS England and uh, Joan's team has been a delight, because actually we've been able to ask those questions in a very open way and challenge things. You know, we've said we don't really understand this. We don't understand why we're doing this. And you can actually see people just rolling it back uh, in order to help our understanding in it. And I think that that is a really key um, aspect of uh, involving patients in the public Co-production is vital to um, moving ahead with a with a with a health service that is actually finite. You know, it's really important that we understand that. Uh, the reason why I think involvement uh, is important, and what I mean by involvement is is um, patients becoming involved, as everyone has said, at the level that they're able to both understand and partake in. Um, that's very important. Um, and, and I think that the the reason why we want to get people involved and how we get people involved are the things that really should be keeping us awake at night. You know, how do we make sure that my mother, who was in her 80s and had advanced cancer, or my my daughter, who is, you know, in her teens and, and who doesn't have any you know condition to speak of, how can we get those two extremes involved in their own health and care? How do we make sure that the kind of involvement and co-production work we do is integrated so that it does work through from academia to frontline practice? Myself, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And what has always been important for me as a researcher is that the things that we do end up by the patients. So it has to benefit the patient. It has to go all the way out there. The number of papers are not relevant for me, but the impact, the research I do is, is important for me. I'm not an academia, so uh, so I'm 
I'm fortunate enough to to have more more uh, more free way to do uh, research in that sense. But what I hear from Danish universities is that uh, they are they are going down if they are to get grants, and that's how research works today. Uh, they uh, they should demonstrate. Uh, impact, so they should demonstrate how the research goes into practice rather than the number of papers. So we have to have the patients in there, we have to have the healthcare professionals in there, we have to have the politicians in there, and it takes a lot longer. But we have to do it to find the right solutions. We have to put the right people in the research projects and then um, somehow commit them to taking it into practice afterwards. Uh, in a small country like Denmark, that's possible because we we don't know each other, all of us, but many of us know each other, so we can talk, but it can be actually very hard. And the more silo-divided research is from practice, the harder it gets. I think we saw that in practice during COVID, because the trials that we had, certainly in critical care, were actually, you know, they were adaptable. And we were enrolling every single COVID patient who was critically ill into the trials. So we then were speaking to families about it. And we saw research happen in real time, really. And when the results were being published between the first and the second wave, we were able to tell patients and their families about it. And what we did notice, there was so much apprehension when the chief medical officers actually got in touch with all the NHS trusts and asked us to participate in the recovery and the remap cap trials, because we thought, how are we going to speak? We don't have the time. How are we going to speak to these families? But actually, with excellent support from research teams all across the country, we were able to recruit patients and actually patients and families were wanting to be recruited. They were, in the, even at that time of great adversity and distress, they were keen to actually be a participant in the trial and keen to know the results. So I think we did see it during the pandemic. There were some pluses to the pandemic. Joan and Douglas, you're running a session at the conference, co-designing in partnership with patients. Why should people come to this session? I'm really excited about having been invited to talk about the, the work in developing partnerships with patients uh, in patient safety, because as a carer, I learned so much about the importance of partnership work in order to optimise health and care for my parents. And what we hope to provide you with in our session is a closer look at the way in which the seemingly complex idea of um, partnership, partnering with patients to improve patient safety has been carried out in a really considered and interdependent way. So we've been working together on it. So as equal pairing, we've divided up the information to allow Joan to provide an oversight of the beginnings of the process, the formation of the strategy and the building blocks towards implementation. But on my part, I hope to provide a few examples of local and regional practice as well as an insight into the processes that Joan describes from a service user's point of view. So looking back over the development of that, this, this really innovative strategy is really important because it hopefully will provide a framework for the listeners to, um, to use 
in their localities. We will have the opportunity to talk about the framework, which was the framework for involving patients and patient safety, which was published in 2021. We'll have the opportunity and we hope that this will be of interest to staff as well as patients who may be at the conference. And it will give us the opportunity to describe uh, the two probably clear elements of the framework, which is around patients being involved in their own safety, as well as how patient safety partners can be uh, involved in the wider organisational safety. Wonderful, thank you. And the other session is developing soft skills in collaboration with patients. Rada, what are you going to be doing in your bit of that? My session is care at the end of life in ICU and what matters to patients is actually what matters to staff. The pandemic caused huge moral distress um, to staff because of the restriction and visiting and the, the lack of family involvement. And actually, it was such a huge thing to tackle. Using QI methodology, we broke it into, we had used a very reductive approach and broke it into things that we could modify and things we couldn't. We couldn't do very much about the scale of illness, but we could modify how we interacted with families. We could improve the delivery of our care. And what we demonstrated at the end of it was that it actually improved staff well-being. It wasn't free coffees or free yoga sessions that actually improved how our patient, our sort of care and our our staff felt about themselves. But the fact that we actually did the best that we could do for our families that were nursing their um, uh, the patients at end of life. So I would say that it is a sort of um, the enthusiasm that we actually demonstrated while dealing with something that's actually quite sad um, was very, very life affirming. And I would urge everyone to come and listen to our session. Thank you. That sounds great. Uh, and Charlotte, yeah, over to you. What are you going to be talking about? Well, we're going to address one of the issues that we talked about beforehand. Uh, we're going to talk about how to train healthcare professionals in this concrete example, uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, in how to meet the patient. So we're we, together with my good colleague, Christina Fuchman, uh, which will also be there at the session. We will uh, talk about uh, mentalizing, where you work with both understanding yourself, but also understanding the patient. It's a theory from psychology. It's been used in therapy for many years. We've translated it into a counseling situation and into health communication. So how do you interact with patients? And we have shown some really, really extraordinary results. The patient has a higher level of satisfaction. The uh, uh, healthcare professionals have a higher job satisfaction and feel more robust, which is quite crucial in the healthcare system we're looking into. Uh, so they actually manage themselves better uh, in the healthcare system. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they get better at mentalizing. So I hope that uh, we people will come and here also get one of the tools on how to actually obtain uh, meeting the patient where they are. Mm -hmm.